if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land, we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Bob Fratz Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Well, let's see if I can remember how to do this. It is indeed. And thank you so very much for joining us as we get started at eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Thursday, the 22nd morning of the 10th month of the year of our Lord, 2020. That is how we begin this program as I try to baby step my way back into and onto the airwaves. Uh, yeah, uh, it's been a go. It's been a go for the last uh, several days. In fact, it's been oh, well over a week, in fact, I think eight or nine days since I last actually graced the airwaves and uh, had the opportunity to uh, correspond with and to discuss and analyze with the greatest listening audience, the smartest listening audience in Northeast Ohio. And I don't care what you listen to or where you might be. I'll put this audience up against any other in terms of... Uh, its intelligence and its ability to process and understand what we do each and every day that's so incredibly important to our community and to our country. Uh, so, yeah, um, I've been under the weather, as uh, I'm sure Rob Walgate has told you, and I'm sure Khalid Namar has told you. I've been dealing, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> and still am to a degree, so you're going to hear some periodic pauses. If you hear some pauses, don't freak out. But uh, still battling a little bit. I'll just be 100% honest with you. I've got pneumonia, or at least I have been diagnosed with pneumonia. I sought treatment for it. I was, in fact, hospitalized for a few days over it. And um, that coughing and that uh, sort of difficulty that, uh, you, know, that uh, you hear from time to time, sometimes it's nothing. Sometimes it's more serious than that. So I've had to deal with uh, getting myself better, recuperating. Uh, I don't want to make this about me. I'm only bringing this up because people have been asking me for days, why aren't you on the air? Why aren't you on the air? Where are you? Uh, And uh, that is the answer. So before I start talking about things that matter to you today, and I may do it at a more muted uh, pace and uh, volume than I normally do because I kind of have to remain under control. I don't know. I haven't spoken for two straight hours since uh, this whole thing manifested itself in me. And uh, the longer I talk, the more it does kind of tend to uh, impact the lungs, of course, as you draw. Um, But uh, before I get started on all those important things, I do want to say thank you to uh, my fill-in hosts. Um, And uh, Rob Olgate has been the guy for the majority of them. Khalid Namar was in earlier this week as well. And uh, I'm very, very fortunate to have a deep bench of talented, uh, intelligent, 
educational and entertaining uh, people who are willing to fill the chair whenever I can't. Uh, and that includes Khalid, and it includes uh, Rob. And I know Rob, again, he, he really put in yeoman's duty. I think he did four of the last five days of the show that I was unable to... Um, that I was unable shows that I've been unable to do so uh, uh and and I did tune in, tune in a little bit yesterday most of the time I've been asleep most of the time as I've been dealing with my illness uh I had been asleep so I haven't had a chance to hear a lot of it live but yesterday I did I heard Rob with Jack Windsor yesterday and I heard him with Dave Zanotti toward the end of hour number 1 yesterday and uh uh, just I'm very blessed I'm very blessed to have that kind of talent like I said we're ready to 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 fill the void uh, when I'm not around. So uh, outstanding job. Outstanding job. Uh, Rob and Khalid, thank you both very much for everything that you guys do. But, uh, okay, that's enough of that. You didn't call to get a medical report on me, or excuse me, you didn't tune in to get a medical report on me. You tuned in to talk or to hear talk about uh, the most important things that are going on today. So let's dive right into it. Two huge events today. Number one, of course, is the, actually, I don't even know if I want to call it number one, one of the two is, of course, tonight's presidential debate, the third and final debate, one that I'm still questioning whether or not the president should even participate in. Because, once again, the supposedly nonpartisan commission on presidential debates that puts these things together is anything and everything but nonpartisan. Tonight is going to be another train wreck. It is going to be a planned train wreck by Kristen Welker, who is the far-left uh, uh, anchor slash reporter uh, on NBC News and MSNBC News, and who is chosen to be the moderator. I mean, it's it's hilarious when you think about the people that have been chosen for these debate moderations. Chris Wallace, a registered Democrat uh, and a notorious Trump critic, was the was the pick for debate number one, and he was the best of the bunch. He was the best of the bunch. He was the he was the least partisan of, of all the partisan hacks that they picked for these things. The second one, which, of course, we know did not come off, was Steve Scully, the former Biden intern and the Biden fan and the never Trump critic. Steve Scully from CNBC. He was supposed to be the second one. And then, of course, now it's Kristen Welker from NBC. Uh, it will never, ever be okay that debate moderators are chosen from the media when the media has such an extraordinarily antagonistic relationship with one of the one of the uh, uh, participants one of the candidates um and we have never seen anything like what we have seen over the last 4 years with president donald trump in terms of his treatment by the media <laughs> in terms of the ongoing hostility, the questions at press conferences that are always cross-examinations, the stories, the reporting, the 90-plus percent negative whenever his name is mentioned uh, in terms of stories in the print media, the 90-plus percent negative stories in news broadcast media, it, would, it will never be okay for... The face-to-face component, which is what a debate is, of a full-on presidential campaign. You know, it's one thing to have your campaign stops and your speeches and your, for President Trump, it's his rallies and, of course, commercials. But there's only three times that the, the, the candidates come face-to-face, and it's in these debates. And it will never be okay for one of them to have 
you know, such a an extraordinary, um, huge hill to climb just to get to even. You understand what I mean by that? When one candidate has to climb a mountain just to get to the same level of 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 you know level footing, if you will, um, as the other one, it, it's just impossible to do, especially. If you're not going to be given the opportunity to say what you want, when you want. They're not on a level playing field here. Joe Biden has the massive advantage of a, of a far left NBC News personality that, like the rest of the NBC News executives and anchors and reporters, hates Donald Trump. And... When you have an advantage like that, the only way to overcome it is to try to be able to get as much time to talk as you possibly can. And now they're going to try to even mute that. Literally with a mute button. President Trump isn't going to be able to to respond to any of the lies and innuendos and the misinformation that's given by uh, by uh, uh, the moderator herself, Kristen Welker. He's not going to be able to to interrupt. He's not going to be able to, uh, you know, explain any of the lies that are uninterrupted for two minutes by Joe Biden. And again, you might say, well, neither can Biden when President Trump talks. Well, again, if you assume that they're on a level playing field, then I guess that's okay. But when one is starting at such a massive disadvantage, when they've got this massive hill to climb just to get to the level that the other one is, That just doesn't work. The media should have no bearing whatsoever, none, none, in moderating presidential debates until the media returns to being the fourth estate that actually practices and cares about journalism as it was once done. The modern media, which is corrupted, and has been embellished by social media is no longer the fourth estate. It is no longer interested in journalism. If it was, the entire news cycle today would be blasting the latest news of Hunter Biden's illegal activities and Joe Biden's awareness of, if not his sign-off on, those illegal activities with foreign bad actors, including the Chicoms, and yes, including corrupt uh, members of the Ukrainian government. And now we find out also there's a new investigation into Biden's relationship with oligarchs from Kazakhstan. If this were a real news journalistic uh, society, one that we used to actually, one where, one where journalistic curiosity used to rule the day. When journalists sniffed something that seemed untoward among elected officials or candidates, they pursued those things wherever they may lead, no matter whom they may take down. That's the job of, a, of an independent journalistic press. But when you have a press that isn't interested in journalism any longer, and they're only interested in activism, 
Well, then we have to do everything we can to remove that press from having an influence on the way the United States of American people vote. And that includes in these debates. The debate commission needs to be abolished. The idea of picking journalists that are not journalists, but that are just rabid partisan news hacks who hate one particular party and one particular party's representative or candidate in this case and are biased toward the other side, it simply cannot happen. So I'm going to watch tonight because I have to. But I'm going to watch it with the the very cynical eye that I think it deserves. Kristen Welker is not going to be fair to Donald Trump. Not in terms of time, not in terms of questions, not in terms of follow-up, and not in terms of asking questions that this debate was supposed to be about. The third presidential debate was supposed to center largely on foreign policy. Foreign policy would walk right into the Biden nest, if you will, and would put Joe Biden on the defensive from the moment the thing began. Because Joe Biden has got some serious, serious questions to answer on behalf of his cocaine-addled, reprehensible, disgusting reprobate of a son. And everyone knows who Joe Biden's son is. And everyone knows what Joe Biden's son has done. And we're only now learning about other things that he has done. And the selling of influence in the, of, of the Oval Office, the most powerful office on the planet, the presidency of the United States, Selling that influence to foreign oligarchs and other foreign bad actors should be disqualifying for a presidential candidate. But we won't even get an opportunity to explore that tonight because the debate commission and Kristen Welker have decided that the questions are going to be about things like climate change and race in America and COVID-19. And ah, we don't want to talk about all that foreign policy stuff. If there were a fair and independent journalistic press rather than an unfair, partial, biased activist press, Joe Biden might be replaced on the ticket based on the latest revelations from the New York Post and others. But the rest of the media prefers to ignore the New York Post's reporting They refuse to acknowledge the serious, serious allegations against Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. And the press won't even ask questions about the authenticity of laptops, documents, conversations, travel, and more. They won't even ask questions. They lost their journalistic curiosity. Rather, they hid it. They have hidden their own journalistic curiosity behind their own blind partisanship. All right, there's a lot of ground to plow here. The other big event I didn't even get to in the open is, of course, today the Senate Judiciary Committee is going to pass Amy Coney Barrett out of committee to uh, be put up for a full vote. 
before the United States Supreme Court on Monday. Democrats are trying to block it, naturally, because what else would Democrats do? We'll get into that a little bit as well. And I welcome your phone calls at 216-901-0945. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, it's 926. As we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks again for being with us. Coming up in um, about a half an hour, we're going to talk to Dr. Everett Piper, as we do each and every Thursday on the broadcast. We missed uh, last Thursday's show, of course, when my illness set in. And uh, Dr. Piper has hit a lot of stuff he was going to fire at us then. And I can tell you, after talking to him to him last night in preparation for this morning, he's loaded for bear. He's got even more. So we're looking forward to that conversation at ten uh, around 10.10 this morning. Um. Apparently, Amy Coney Barrett is already through. Uh, I said they were going to do that this morning. They wasted no time. The Senate Judiciary Committee on Thursday, this morning, unanimously advanced the Supreme Court nomination of Judge Amy Coney Barrett at its executive business meeting, despite a decision by Democrats to go Democrat, which is to try to obstruct and to get in the way of things that are traditionally and legally um, expected here, which is to show up to do their jobs and to cast votes. Uh, But they attempted to uh, make an end run around this thing and not have any Democrats show up so that they could have a quorum. Uh, but the decision about the Democrats to boycott this morning uh, in protest of how close the Republicans are to moving the nomination to Election Day, Barrett was reportedly favored, uh, was reported favorably rather, out of the Judiciary Committee by a 12 to nothing count with no Democrats present. This was their choice, Lindsey Graham, Senate Judiciary Chairman said. It will be, it will be my choice to vote the nominee out of committee. We are not going to allow them to take over the committee. They made a choice not to participate. Uh, Graham also, at the markup, slammed Democrats for allegedly beginning the process that led to the increased politicization of the Supreme Court during the Obama administration when they removed the filibuster for lower federal, lower federal court nominees, saying, quote, I remember telling Senator Schumer, you will regret this, he said. Today, he will regret it. The acrimony around judicial nominations, of course, and it goes all the way back to the history. So uh, bottom line is um, they did what they were supposed to do, and they confirmed um, justice or judge, rather, Amy Coney Barrett out of the Judiciary Committee. And now she will advance to the full Senate vote on Monday. And at that point, she will be seated. And can I just say this? Not a moment too soon. All Amy Coney Barrett's presence on the court is going to do is going to give the conservative originalist majority, or rather a conservative originalist wing of the court, rather, a simple majority, not a supermajority. One of the reasons why the left was so freaked out by this (coughs) um, seat coming open and uh, President Trump's nomination and Mitch McConnell's willingness to hold the hearings, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they were afraid that it was going to be a supermajority on this conservative side of the court, six to three. It's not. If you need any other evidence that John Roberts is a liberal, 
a dyed-in-the-wool, true, blue, liberal activist. All you need to do is look at the decision that the court just made on Pennsylvania allowing people to cast votes and have their votes counted up to three days after Election Day in Pennsylvania, which may be the swing state of all swing states. If postmarks are not clear, they can be accepted up to three days after the election. This is something that the Republicans challenged the state Supreme Court of Pennsylvania over, and they went to the federal Supreme Court. And the federal Supreme Court was deadlocked four to four, which means the, the state Supreme Court ruling is upheld. And you know how it's four to four, because John Roberts, the chief justice, who was appointed by George Bush, supposedly as a conservative originalist, sided with the liberals yet again. So there is not going to be a six to three majority. It's going to be a simple five to four majority, because John Roberts is with the liberal wing. He is a disgrace to the robe. He is an activist who lied about his intentions who should not be on the Supreme Court. People like John Roberts is the reason why lifetime appointments to the court might be, might be, the one thing that our founding fathers got wrong. Our founding fathers set the table this way, and they should not have. There should be some recourse for removing people, for not uh, acting on the judicial faith that they pledged when they took their oaths. John Roberts is an example of that. He is pathetic. Amy Coney Barrett cannot be suited fast enough, cannot be seated, rather, fast enough to serve true justice in the United States of America. We'll be right back. Okay, it's 937 now on AM 1420. The answer, good Thursday to you. Thanks again for being with us for the Bob France Authority. And if you just turned the radio on, yeah, I've uh, been dealing with some illness for the last several days and uh, needed some real, real help from Rob Walgate and Khalid Damar uh, holding down the fort for me. And they did more than hold it down. They do the show so proud every time they come in. Thanks to both of them for uh, their uh, outstanding stellar work in sitting in for me as I deal with my illness. Uh, welcome you to join the program at 216-901-0945, You can also... Um, Oh, let's just leave it there for now, actually, because I've really pulled away from social media quite a bit. Uh, I, I want to go uh, go back to uh, the debate tonight and the fact that what tonight is supposed to be about is foreign policy. Foreign policy was supposed to be the uh, most important uh, <coughs> excuse me, issue or set of issues in the third debate as, as per the debate commission. This is what was agreed to by the parties involved. And yet the third debate... And final debate tonight, which is going to be moderated by NBC's far-left uh, news journalist, if you want to call her that, uh, Kristen Welker, um, it is not going to be about uh, foreign policy. And there's a pretty good reason for that. Uh, the left wants nothing to do with uh, 90 minutes in front of 70 million Americans watching television about hearing about the corrupt Joe Biden and Hunter Biden affairs in foreign policy. Because they are neck deep in it. And that is exactly why um, big tech is doing everything that they can to try to kill this story. Big tech meaning 
the heads of the uh, social media giants like, remember, <coughs> I mentioned a moment ago that I've pulled away, excuse me, from social media. There's a very good reason for it. Social media's overlords have decided that you cannot hear about these extraordinarily important uh, reports by the New York Post uh, with all kinds of unquestioned, let me say that again, unchallenged and unquestioned sources involving Hunter Biden's laptop, Hunter Biden's documents, showing that he has indeed and had indeed discussed his foreign affairs, the amount of money that he was making from communist China, as well as from the Burisma company in Ukraine, and we're just now beginning to explore, we started talking about this in the uh, top of the program, uh, relationship with uh, Kazakhstan. Hunter Biden has been selling influence and selling access to the vice president of the United States, Joe Biden, or had been doing it for years. And it is just now all kind of coming out. And the the left, the, this is the reason why I had the long discussion about the media in the first segment of the program because the media itself is now coordinating with and collaborating with the quote-unquote social media world to decide what is investigated and what is not and they're going to do everything they can to pull the wool over this entire thing until joe biden is elected and the chances are it will go even further than that after Joe Biden wins the election, if that is to, is to come. I mean, in other words, the, the only chance that we have of facts seeing the light of day is if there is an independent Department of Justice willing to do the job here and investigate. Because once Joe Biden wins and appoints his own attorney general and cleans house in the DOJ, all of the rest of this will be buried. So the ongoing cover-up here... It's so extraordinarily important, and that's the reason it needs to be brought out uh, today and, and, and tonight. And President Trump isn't going to get a chance to do that, unless, and, and this is the point I wanted to make. President Trump is not going to be allowed to speak to Joe Biden. His mute microphone will be muted while Joe Biden is giving his first direct answers to the questions. If on his own time President Trump chooses to, he can ignore the questions that Kristen Welker asks, and then go on the attack on Joe Biden for all of this information that, that you have been reading and hearing about for the last four or five days. But then you run the risk. If you're President Trump, you run the risk of making it look like you are trying to change the subject. When the subject is going to be COVID-19, and President Trump turns to Joe Biden and asks him, and demands to know about this New York Post story, and demands to know how much money he got as the big guy. Have you been paying attention to that part of the new story, by the way? Um, if he does this sort of thing, it's, it's very important, and it's very appropriate, but it's going to make it look like, well, he just doesn't want to talk about his failures with COVID-19, or if he does this during the race portion, race in America portion of the, of the debate. It's going to look like he doesn't want to talk about white supremacists, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a real lose-lose situation for the president. And I'm just beyond frustrated that this is what it has come down to. Now, my hope, my hope is that it doesn't come down to this. My hope 
is that there is a very, very tiny, tiny percentage of people who are undecided in this election. My hope is that this very small number of people that are uh, going to have their their minds made up or the decisions made for them by the face-to-face debate is inconsequential. But to the extent that new information can be brought forth that could change the minds of people who have already decided, then that needs to be available. And it's not going to be because of the formatics decided by Kristen Welker and the Debate Commission. People should know the reality of what's going on with Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and whether or not he sold access to the vice presidency and, quite frankly, to the presidency when he was the vice president. And yes, there is new news this morning about this. Hunter Biden's business partner has confirmed that the emails referenced in the New York Post reporting and the details about Joe Biden's push to make millions of dollars from China, that this is all legitimate and real. One of Joe Biden's ways of, and this is again New York Post this morning, Michael Goodwin reporting, one of Joe Biden's ways of contrasting himself with Donald Trump has been declared the election a battle of Park Avenue values versus Scranton PA values. Well, now we know that Joe Biden has been secretly uh, playing footsie with China, which is not exactly Scranton values, is it? The statement last night asserting that the former vice president was a willing and eager participant in a family scheme to make millions of dollars partnering with a shady Chinese communist firm is a singular event in a presidential race already overflowing with drama and intrigue. The dynamite assertion, believable because it aligns with earlier information we know to be true, came in a statement by Tony Bobolinsky, who prescribes himself, or describes himself, excuse me, as a former partner of Hunter Biden, Joe Biden and Joe's brother Jim in the China scheme. Bobolinsky unloads his bill of accusations in a blunt and precise language and detail that we can share now. He confirms he was one of the recipients of the May 13, 2017 email published by the New York Post eight days ago. That email from another partner in the group laid out cash and equity positions and mysteriously included a 10% set aside for, quote, the big guy, end quote. Sources have said that the big guy was Joe Biden. In a matter-of-fact manner, Bobolinsky states that the email is genuine and that the former vice president and the man leading the 2020 race right now is indeed the big guy. That claim alone rips the heart out of nearly everything Joe Biden has ever said about Hunter Biden's many business dealings overseas and Joe's knowledge of them. His repeated insistence that the two never spoke of his son's global sources of money didn't pass the smell test. After all, they traveled together to China on Air Force Two, where Hunter landed a $1.5 billion commitment from a government-controlled Chinese bank. Then there was the $83,000 per month gig that Hunter Biden landed on the board of the Ukrainian energy company, 
despite his lack of knowledge of anything having to do with the energy industry or anything to, uh, having to do with Ukraine. He didn't speak Russian or Ukrainian. He had, had no experience in oil or natural gas, knew nothing about energy, and yet received $83,000 a month, far and away the most money of any member of the board. It was no coincidence that the vice president was the Obama administration's point man to both countries, both Ukraine and China. Joe Biden. Wherever Joe went, Hunter went along. Not to do good, but to do well for himself. Very well, financially. There were similarly lucrative deals in Russia, Romania. I mentioned Kazakhstan already that we know of. Now, because of his role in the China deal, that it has been credibly confirmed, it's beyond dispute that Joe didn't just know what was going on. At least in this case, he was a player and had his hand out as the big guy to receive his own cut. Now, he's going to sit here and has proclaiming that there's not a scintilla of evidence that I did anything wrong or that my son did anything wrong. Yet he has not denied a single word in these emails, a single word in these reports. He just continues to say, it's kind of like Obama saying, I had a scandal-free administration, not a hint of a scandal in, in eight years. It, it's just not true. The scandals are all over the place. And the evidence, scintilla and otherwise, is deep. It's multitudinous. And this is the real issue. The real issue right now isn't did Joe Biden do all of these things with his son and for his son. It's why is this not blowing the entire presidential race out of the water? Why isn't the media treating this the way with the, the, the severity that it deserves? If this had happened in 1980, if this had happened in 1972, I don't care. This way, the, the media would be all over this because when you have scandal, when you have uh, a corruption in a presidential campaign or in presidential service, going back to Biden's vice presidency, when you have this kind of thing, this is what reporters and journalists live for, to sniff it out, get to the bottom of it, and expose the corruption and let the chips fall where they may. But back then, the media didn't really have as much of a concern about where those chips might fall. Today, they care very much. Today, Joe Biden... There could be there could be rock solid lockdown evidence that Joe Biden was was working literally as a as you know as the the front man for the Chinese Communist Party and today's media would not look into it and would not report on it and today's big tech media the overlords at Facebook and Twitter would bury anybody who repeats that story because in their mind He's still not worse than Donald Trump. He could be working for the Chinese government as a henchman, and it would still be better than Orange Man Bad. I'm not going to allow Donald Trump to win re-election because Joe Biden is corrupt. That is the mentality of the mainstream media today. And sadly, that is going to pervade tonight's presidential debate. 
run by Kristen Welker, and it will be run in the exact same way that the first one was. They are going to ask ridiculously unfair questions of Donald Trump, softballs to Joe Biden, and then mute President Trump so that he cannot intervene. All right. Uh, apologies. It's an extended monologue today, but I really have obviously a lot of stuff that's been building up in the last few days that I haven't been on the air. I will go to you at 216-901-0945 next. You know, it's that um, it's that lack of journalistic integrity and that lack of journalistic curiosity that is uh, that is the most dangerous thing about this. More dangerous than Joe Biden and his corruption. More dangerous than Hunter Biden and his corruption. More dangerous than all of it is the fact that it is excused by what used to be the fourth estate that was supposed to keep all of this stuff in check. The fourth estate was supposed to be there as an honest, integrity-based check on potential corruption among elected officials and, and American government. Um, and they've just checked out. They've checked out. The only corruption they're interested in is manufactured corruption against Donald Trump. Russia hoax. Yeah, we're all in. We're going to report this until we can't see straight. Ukrainian impeachment or impeachment over the Ukrainian phone call. Oh, yeah, we're all in. Anything we can do to make Donald Trump look terrible, we are all in. Anything we can do to protect and and defend someone who can replace Donald Trump, that is what we will do as well. They have no interest in actually taking down, like I said before, do the investigations, look into the facts, conduct the inquiries, the interviews, and let the chips fall where they may. No, because they, they really, really care where these chips fall. And that is, uh, that is the most dangerous thing. If the media ceases to actually do its job, if the fourth estate actually um, surrenders to one political ideology, which they have clearly done, and one particular political party, um, nothing will be sacred. Nothing will be sacred going forward. We will not be able to trust anything in government. Uh, Mark is in Fairview Park on AM 1420, The Answer. Mark, thanks for waiting. You're on the air. Go ahead. Morning, Bob. I hope you're feeling better, and please don't burn out. Uh, Thank this, you. Uh, I'm watching the Fox this morning, and as Bobolinsky, I mean, he's just spilling the beans right now. But uh, I watched uh, about three commercials today, when I was going, uh, and uh, I caught two different Biden commercials on how he's going to deal with the virus. And ironically, it's everything the president's been doing since the beginning. The commercials are just totally laughable. Second of all, the uh, you were talking about the ju- journalistic integrity in that, and I'm watching also the, this boycott of uh, the Judge Barrett uh, nomination. But uh, I want to tell you, don't worry. The third commercial I saw was about Joe Biden and how he's got the magic wand and he knows how he can get us all together again. So, you know, <laughs> another laughable attempt here. But finally, to finish up with the, uh, the debate tonight, you know, Trump, uh, you know, he's constantly on the road and he's well-practiced. And unless they throw him a curveball, but he still, he can handle this. He's been around. Uh, Joe, in turn, 
he's been off the out of the scene for a week or so. Down and sitting down in the basement and practicing. Come on, man! Come on, man! And that's all I got to say, Bob. Mark, I appreciate the phone call. I'm a little worried, to be honest with you, about the president's preparation because he's been all over the road. Because he's been giving, uh, you got to kill. Hang that up, please. Um, because he's been. Uh, uh, you know, doing rally after rally after rally and not doing debate prep because the debate is not a rally. On the on the rally stage, he can be as free willing as he wants to be. On the debate stage, he has to be concise. He and he has to be responsive to points that are made to him. On the on the rally stages, President Trump doesn't have to respond to anybody because there's no questions. He's just able to do what he does and it's get everybody fired up about keeping America great, which is wonderful. But he's not going to be asked point-blank questions about this, 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 or this, the way that he is in a debate stage. And then he has to somehow be able to make his points in a concise two-minute manner or less than that if it's in rebuttal, et cetera, et cetera. So I'll be honest with you. I don't have high hopes for the debate between Kristen Walker and her bias and the debate commission's bias and turning this away from foreign policy, which is what it was supposed to be about. Between those things and the president not really practicing for, quote-unquote, debate style uh, discussion and dialogue. Um, I don't have a lot of high hopes for tonight. Uh, We'll talk more about that coming up in the second hour of the program. We're also going to talk to Dr. Everett Piper. He'll join us next on AM 1420, The Answer.